This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Uh, don't forget, top of the hour, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN stops by. Also, we'll play part of the interview that Elliot and I did with Bill Foley, the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, very generous with his time a couple of days ago. We'll share some of that with you. The entire interview can be heard at the 32 Thoughts podcast. In the meantime, uh, Todd Nelson will be behind an NHL bench. It is only a matter of time. Uh, whether it is in an assistant capacity, an associate capacity, or in a head coach capacity, because he is just that good. He is a two-time Calder Cup champion as a head coach. He is a Calder Cup champion as a player. Uh, He is a Calder Cup champion as an assistant coach as well, and he joins me now on the Merrick Show. Todd, thanks so much for doing this. How are you today? I'm doing well. Just uh, trying to recover and um, get rejuvenated. (laughs) Well, listen, there is uh, something so special about a Game 7, whether it's the the NHL, the American League, any any league for that matter, Uh, but making it extra spicy is the overtime factor. First of all, the play in the series was outstanding. That was some fantastic fantastic hockey from from both teams. Um, But I am curious, as a coach, do you have to say anything going into that overtime? Game 7, your Hershey Bears, Dan Balsma, Coachella Valley Firebirds, do you have to say anything at that point? And if you did, can you share it with our audience? Well, I think the biggest thing, just going into that overtime frame, just be ready for the first five minutes because usually in overtime games like that, uh, things happen quick. And it didn't in that game. But uh, just, just just to keep your head straight, uh, be calm, and go out there and have some fun. And um, Mike Vecchioni ends up scoring in, in overtime, and, and that's a nice little touch. And I, I can't help but thinking, you know, your team goes down 2 nothing in that game, Game 7, and the two players that tie it up, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the next wave of players for the Washington Capitals, and this is going to be a big year for a couple of players uh, with the Hershey Bears in Washington. Connor McMichael makes it 2-1, to one, and then Hendricks Lapierre ties it up. Uh, it, there's no way really to measure what confidence and momentum can do for a player. But when you look at these two young hockey players that you've helped shepherd through a a really important season in their careers, what do you make of what's next for these two guys specifically? Well, I think that the the situation that we're in, um, winning a Calder Cup, I think that's a form of development. I really do. Uh, With both these young players, um, they played big roles in our hockey team all throughout the season. Uh, but in the playoffs, you really saw an area of growth with both players. And uh, this is an experience that they can take uh, for, for the rest of their lives and certainly can help them out with their future. But, uh, you know, you know, as for, for Lapierre, you know, he's a first-year player. He had an up-and-down season, which is normal for any young player. Uh, but you really see him – you really saw him start to grow. He kind of hit a pause very – kind of, I wouldn't say stumbled, just just hit a wall around February, which is normal um, for first-year players. But then he picked it right back up, and, and he had a great playoff run for us. And in the case for McMichael, uh, here's a player that uh, you know wasn't getting a lot of ice time up with Washington. He comes to us. He plays a big role for us. He plays the point in the power play. He, he kills penalties for us. Um, and he developed into a, a leader down here. You know, he wore the assistant captain um a for you know some games down here but you saw him like say all the right things in the room and was really starting to be a leader so it it was fantastic to see those two players really um get some value out of their time here in the minors 
um, with Todd Nelson, head coach of the Calder Cup champion Hershey Bears. L- let me go into your past here a little bit. And one thing that I've, uh, one thing, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Todd, one thing that I'm really curious about, and I got to know Rocky Thompson a little bit when he coached the, the Windsor Spitfires when they won uh, the Memorial Cup. When, when you and Rocky Thompson and Jerry Fleming were together on the bench at, uh, at Oklahoma City, um, I look at Rocky Thompson and Jerry Fleming and know the absolute battles and wars that these two guys had when they played against each other. What was that dynamic like? You're the head coach and your two assistants are guys that, you know, weren't shy uh, about rolling up the sleeves uh, whenever they got together. What was that dynamic like? Because I'll be honest with you, man, some great scraps between those two. <laughs> yeah, there were. Actually, they fought against each other. And uh, that's on yeah, YouTube, by the way, I mean. if anybody wants to look it up. But um, <laughs> actually, you know, being a head coach with those two guys, I, I probably felt very safe on the bench with those two guys beside me. Uh, but uh, but both players are, are highly intelligent coaches. Um, you know, sometimes it's a stereotype when you see a tough guy coaching and he's going to be really hard on the guys. But that wasn't the case with, with either of them. Um, you know, Jerry ran the penalty kill, uh, ran it very well, and uh, worked with the defense, and had a really good relationship with the players. Then when Rocky came aboard, you know, he he handled a lot of the power play stuff, and uh, you know, he wasn't a power play guy when he played, but he certainly has a great understanding for the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all we all kind of complimented each other in certain areas, but one thing that was consistent is that we were really tight as a coaching staff, and I think you have to have that. Um, because when you, if you want your team to be, you know, very tight in the room and be a close knit family, uh, it starts with the coaching staff, and and, and that's what we had. Uh, to this day, we still keep in touch. You know, Jerry's coaching over in S- Switzerland now, and you know, Rocky's with Philly. Um, both guys are having great careers, and um, you know, but it, it was just a pleasure. Like they're both really good people, and I think that's the, the biggest thing. Um, you know, one of the things that when we hear your name, we think winner. Um, you've won at a lot of different levels. Um, you know, Muskegon uh, in the old U-Haul uh, won a couple of championships there. I, I mentioned your, your Calder Cup uh, background as a player and assistant coach under John Anderson and as a head coach in other Grand Rapids or now with uh, the Hershey Bears. Uh, I don't know if there's one ingredient. I don't know if there's one secret. But when I look at a coach that is as successful as you have been in a number of different stops, I have to say, okay, we always default to the players and say, well, if you have the best players, you're going to win the championship. I have to say to myself, hang on, there's something there. So what is there with you, Todd? What is the, what is the secret ingredient? Like, I know, I know you're famous for, you know, your pig roast at the beginning of the season for one, <laughs> yeah. and you're big on families and the whole team being together. But I'm sure it's just more than, well, it's the famous Todd Nelson pig roast, and that's the reason why we won the championship. So what is it? You know what? I think it's just being myself. I think that's the biggest thing. I'm not trying to be someone that I'm not. That I'm not. Uh, I think, you know, over a course of the season, you have to get to your, get get to know your players on a personal level, uh, show them that you care, and you build and you build trust and respect that way. And it's hard for me to explain, to be quite honest, uh, because GMs ask me all the time, like, how do you do that? Like, what, like, what do you got? Uh, it's different than somebody else, and it's hard for me to explain. But uh, the bottom line is, is that uh, the players understand I have their back. Uh, they understand that I think a family first. That's first and foremost. And like I got to be honest, before Game Seven, you know, um, we we had a day off in between Game Six and Seven, and I asked my wife, um, 
where can I take you guys for dinner? And she goes, well, why don't we just have a barbecue here? Because there's grills by the pool and stuff, and it was a beautiful day. And I said, that's fine. So, And she goes, I wonder if anybody else wants to join us. Well, you can ask and see. So all of a sudden, I'm at practice. I'm at the rink, and I get a message, a text message saying, like, we're we're having a barbecue for everybody that was on the plane, like all the families and everything. I said, well, that's on you. I said, I have work to do. I said, but you know what? It turned out being the best thing ever because I was pretty salty after game six. Um, And just to get together with the players' families, uh, their moms and dads, their brothers and sisters, their girlfriends, wives, kids, you name it. We're all there just having a regular barbecue, but it was good to get to know them on a personal level. And now I see why I had such great character in the room because of how they were raised by their parents. They were fantastic people, and and, and like there was no hockey even even talked about. In fact, I, you know, Garrett Pilon's on our hockey team, and I played hockey with Richie when I was in Prince Albert Junior and mm-hmm. in Midget. And I haven't seen him for 32 years. And I just got you know we got talking. I, I never laughed so hard, but it was it was a perfect recipe because going into Game Seven, when I woke up that morning. I, I was I was at peace with whatever would happen, and you know, that's contrast to what I, how I felt in Game Six. I was really tight. I didn't want to go to a Game Seven. We wanted to close them out, but we, we were facing such a good hockey team. They were so good in their building, and so uh, it was just just a difference maker. And when you get to know people, um, and I'd like to think I have a pretty good personality. Uh, it's hard to put my finger on exactly what works for me, but bottom line is I'm just being myself, and I show people that I care about them. So hang on. You had a, a barbecue, like, at the hotel, like, in the courtyard for everybody? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was by the pool. Like, we were just going to grill burgers because there wasn't – I think there was an Applebee's next door. We didn't want to go to Applebee's. So we used to – burgers, and all of a sudden my, mom, uh, my wife said, we're cooking for everybody. I said, okay. She goes, I have 100 burgers from Costco. I got 50 hot dogs. I got – I got fruit. I got all this stuff, and it ended up being just a really good time. It really did. You know, I sat there and I had Richie Peel on one side, I had Ronnie Sutter on my left side, and and we were just talking, oh, talking wow. stories, and yeah, and it was like I said, I haven't laughed like that in a long time, and it was perfect for what I needed going into Game Seven. You know, after a, after a win like that, um, and you're watching the players, you know, celebrate and with the cup, uh, I know that. The the coach answer is you know the they're they're all my kids you know the, the every everyone yeah. is special, um, but were there were there a couple of players that you looked at you know when they got the Calder Cup, um, you said like okay that's that's really the sweet spot of the bat I'm really happy for this player I know maybe it's unfair to try to isolate a couple of kids but here I go uh, were there a couple of players Todd that you really felt happy for after that win? Well, you know you feel happy for different players for different reasons. You look at guys that guys like uh, Sam Annis or Aaron Ness, they've been playing hockey mm-hmm. for a long time and it's taken, taken them this long to win in championships. Like there's a lot of, there's so many players that have played great, had great careers that have never won. And I told them before playoffs, I said, guys, I said, listen, if we finish this thing off the right way, if we win a Calder cup, I said, your lives are going to change. And they didn't really understand what I was, what I was saying, but I said, once you become a champion, you're a champion for life, and nobody can ever take that away from you. And I said, it doesn't matter if you're staying in the game of hockey in the future or if you have a regular job doing whatever. Um, it's going to help you because you know what it takes to win, and you know how hard the grind is. That's what people don't realize is that it's so hard to win a championship. And I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of good people and been on the winning side um, quite a bit, which is great. 
But uh, when they go through the grind, until they win and that buzzer goes or wherever it is or the overtime winner, they don't realize how hard it was. And and uh, I think it certainly can help them out in the future. But, like, the grind is what makes it great. Um, you know, it's tough. Like, it, it was a long year. Like, here we are, third week of June, and we just finished up a couple of days ago. And this is the longest I've ever been, um, you know, part part of a hockey season. So, But I think... Um, there's no specific players. When you look at players that have been around that have finally won, you're happy for them, and you're happy for the young guys. A guy like Lapierre, first-year pro, yeah. gets to hoist the cup. And I, I just sat back, and I just smiled and watched them enjoy the moment. And I think that was the proudest moment, is when you can, like you mentioned about, like, they're all your kids. It's true, because you spend day in and day out with these people. You know, you see them develop sure. over the course of the season, how they have to overcome adversity. Um, and these young players become men. So like, I can't put any specific player. Uh, I was happy for everyone, of course, but uh, for the older guys, I was happy that they finally got one because they've paid their dues and they've played the game for a long time. As for the younger guys, I think it's just a investment to their future. Um, I can recall Brian Burke telling me a story about the 2007 Anaheim Ducks and they beat the Ottawa Senators to win the Stanley Cup and as the clock is counting down, I think it was one of the trainers because uh, Berkey was down at ice level at that point. Uh, one of the trainers came up to him and grabbed him by the lapels and said, Berkey, the Chiefs have won the championship of the Federal League <laughs> and they both started laughing at the obvious slap shot reference and the clock counted down and they all celebrated. Um, who said what to you? Either on the bench when you got on the ice? Did you have that moment where someone said the Chiefs have won the championship of the Federal League? Was there anything, anything like that, that you re- can recall from when, when, you know, when, when Vecchione scored that goal? Well, you know, every player that I had came and gave me a hug and, you know, one or two guys were saying thank thank you for taking me to the promised land, and uh, that kind of sticks in the back of your mind. But uh, you know, uh, yeah. other than that, you know, the guys were just obviously really happy. It was nice having our our family and friends there to enjoy it. Um, Ryan Johansson was there to see his little see his brother hoist a cup, yep. which was really cool. And so it was uh, just a really fun moment. And you know, I know it's cliche, but anytime that yeah, family around, it's really special. And uh, we were fortunate that that the people of Hershey flew in our family. They were all in the charter with us out there. And and um, Great. to enjoy it with um, friends and family is really special. That is uh, that that is excellent. What, one last question for you. I'm always I'm always curious, and maybe you can say, look, this is personal between coaches. I'd rather not share it, but uh, I'm always curious about the handshake between coaches after a championship game. What was the, the conversation between yourself and Dan Bilesma? Well, Danny and I have went head-to-head um, two other times besides um, this past championship. You know, Danny was playing for Moncton, and I was playing for Port- the Portland Pirates, and we were in the finals against each other. We won in Portland, and then Danny was an assistant coach with, uh, I think, Todd Richards at the time with Wilkes-Barre, and that was when I was in Chicago being an assistant. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Danny's from West Michigan. I spent a lot of time in Grand Rapids in the Muskegon area. So we knew each other for quite a few years. We used to skate together in the summer to get ready for training camps. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just told Dan, I said, you did a hell of a job with your hockey team. You have a fantastic hockey team. This is by far the toughest series, and it's obvious it's the last round. 
but I said, you did a great job with your group. And he goes, Nelly, he goes, you got me again. <laughs> so uh, we just kind of <laughs> smirked with that. And uh, But uh, have a lot of respect for what he did with that hockey club. I think Dan did a great job along yeah. with his coaching staff. Um, they were such a good team. And quite honestly, like you know, it was certainly fitting that we went into overtime because we were so evenly matched. It was incredible. The series could have obviously went mm-hmm. either way. Uh, they They had some flurries there in overtime where Hunter Shepard had to be, be stand tall for us but uh, ultimately we ended up getting the last goal and won a championship but uh, um, it was it was a fantastic series and I don't know if you know a lot of people tuned in but it was it was, it was back and forth like we won we're down two nothing come back home and played three games and like they're all one goal games and they yep. kind of gave it to us game six so we just didn't know what game seven was going to you know what was going to happen and down to nothing and all of a sudden it didn't look that good but we chipped away and stuck with it but it was just uh like i i give compliments to coachella belly and dan ballsman and the staff because they did a fantastic job they did and listen you're right that was all the way through like the hockey was fantastic in the in the american in the american league this year not just the playoffs but the regular season but it was the best um in the calder cup championship round with uh, uh with you and and uh and the firebirds um todd listen thanks so much for doing this uh again congratulations looks great on you your resume continues to grow uh and impress people and as i mentioned off the top it's it's only a matter of time uh, before we see you back. It's only a matter of time. Thanks so much for this. Enjoy your weekend, and congratulations again. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Todd Nelson, the uh, head coach of the Hershey Bears, and that is someone that I would suspect would be specifically on the Toronto Maple Leafs' radar. Not sure if they've called Washington yet to ask for permission to talk to Todd Nelson, but I would imagine that... Uh, might be just a matter of time or a formality. Okay, uh, coming up in hour two, you're going to hear part of that interview with uh, Bill Foley, Vegas Golden Knights general manager, but up next to talk about everything from the Board of Governors, the situation with the Calgary Flames, uh, the situation with the Winnipeg Jets, so the situation with the Philadelphia Flyers, the draft on the horizon, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN MVSW Redux Time. Once again, across the Sportsnet Radio Network, the Merrick Show continues. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, I want to get to this right away as quick as possible. This is the interview that Elliot and I did with Bill Foley. Uh, owner of the Vegas Golden Knights a couple of days ago. The full thing available at our latest podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Bill Foley. Bill, first of all, congratulations. Uh, Six years to the Stanley Cup. We're going to get to that quote here in a couple of moments. But what we've seen in sports, and specifically in hockey, is organizations take a lot of pride when they win championships in presenting their players, staff, everybody with championship rings and the designs now once upon a time was very conservative and uh you know buttoned down here's a very very nice subtle uh looking ring but now these things are over the top and if we know anything about vegas vegas goes over the top can you give us a peek or a hint of what the stanley cup rings are going to look like 
Well, I talked to Stoney about it at the, on the parade, and I said, okay, you're in charge. You uh, mm-hmm. pick two other players or pick a player's wife or player's girlfriend. You guys come up with the basic your basic ideas of what you'd like to see in this ring. Hmm. Run it by me and run it by uh, Kerry Bootbolts, and let's, let's make sure we get it done to your specifications and to what you want. And Stoney just said, how much? And I said, well, how much do you need? He said, I think... Uh, I think uh, half a million to 600k ought to do it. I said, "You got it. That's good. Wow. Goodbye. That's goodbye. <laughs> oh. to, that's goodbye me." And uh, so, if they get out of the Cosmo or the Aria and take time <laughs> to start this process, <laughs> then we can get underway. But I just saw a video of them they're down at uh, the Cosmo, a whole bunch of them drinking out of the cup. So. I don't think anything got got done last night. (laughs) It sounds like it's going to be fantastic. It sounds like it's going to be great. I don't like asking a lot about this because I think it's kind of gauche. But the one thing I was curious about, and I've talked about it with Nona in the past, is what people don't realize is that however you choose to celebrate, the Golden Knights take care of almost all of that, right? Financially, it's pretty much your choice like it's not like the league pays for it or someone else pays for it really there's been no budget <laughs> they can spend what they like they do get comped a lot in vegas obviously at the various mm-hmm. restaurants and so on because people want to see them in there and they want to take pictures and so on but no it's it's all on us the parade was on us the, the ring will be on us we probably will make uh you know replicas that will that will distribute yourself for a very modest amount of money. And we'll, so we re, we'll recover some of the investment in the ring. Mm-hmm. And I just want to have a ring. Mm, that's awesome. <laughs> I want a ring. I want my name on the cup. We're going to get the engraving. We're going to grab the cup for about seven days. Mm-hmm. We're going to get it engraved toward the end of June, early July, and take it out off market. So when we, when we tour with the cup, it will have already, already been engraved, which will be fun. Because you can they'd say, wow. oh, wow, here, here's this is me. Look at this. <laughs> when you said six years to the Stanley Cup, some snickered, some full out laughed and said, there's not a chance. That's not how this works with expansion teams. I've always been curious when it became obvious that your team was going to win the Stanley Cup. One of the things that I wondered was, did Bill Foley take names mm. six years ago? Did Bill Foley say, all right, I remember you laughed at me and here we are six years later. And if you did, I don't think that's petty because I'd probably do the same thing. And I suspect Elliot would as well. Oh, yeah, we're both petty. Did you remember, Bill, who laughed six years ago? You know, I do remember some of the laughs and so on. And I'm, I, frankly, I deserved it. I mean, what am I doing making a silly statement like that? But I, be- I believed in my own mind, if we did our expansion draft properly and we built our team properly, that we could be in the playoffs in three years fairly comfortably. And I thought if we built our team properly, we could win the Stanley Cup in six. Now, we overachieved. We, mm-hmm. We've made the playoffs five out of six years. We've been in the conference finals four times. We've been in the Stanley Cup now twice and, and won it once. And I feel this time, maybe we were like Washington was when they played us the first year, and, and Florida was a little bit, little bit like we were. Not expected to be there, overachieved, overperformed. And when we met the big boys, when we met the Caps, you know, we sort of learned, okay, this is what this is what it's all about. This is what you have to be. Hmm. And we really tried to build our team to be a Stanley Cup winner by hiring, by getting an elite, elite centerman, elite forward, elite D-man, 
and then building around them. So it's it's a plan. And mm-hmm. we were fortunate we did it. We were fortunate we got there, got all the way, because it is, as both of you know in particular, it is such a grind. Mm-hmm. It is so hard. I mean, 62 days of playoffs. I mean, I'm exhausted, and I didn't do anything. (laughs) Do you get involved much in player moves? How much do you talk to Kelly or George about what you're up to, and and how involved do you get? You know, I'd say I'm um, I'm a veto. Uh, I go to all the scouting meetings, all the pro scout meetings. I sit through them for usually a week at a time. We go through every team. We go through every player that might be available. We talk about the players, how they might fit on the team. Talk about character. So I'm in those. I'm in those meetings. I'm a, a an observer. Occasionally, I'll make a comment. But then when we get serious about players we're really going after. Then Kelly or George will go out and start making calls. Normally Kelly, but then I'll kind of wander in and sit in the call too and just hear what's going on. Good. I want to make sure we're we're all on the same page, and we are. I don't tell them what to do. They come to me and say, this is what we think we should do, and this is what we, we believe we'll have to give up, and this draft pick or that draft pick. And I might say, well, can we try this or can we try that? Hmm. But I'm, a, I'm supportive. I'm involved, but I'm supportive. How would you compare the NHL and the Premier League? Because we always talk about growth. And how do we make the NHL bigger and how do we grow it? Is there anything you see from the Premier League that you would say, we need to do this? Yeah, we have a different uh, financial model in the, in the NHL. I mean, a, what the commissioner has done is fantastic, having a hard cat. It keeps everybody in line. And it makes us very, very competitive. So the 40th largest uh, metropolitan area in the country can win the Stanley Cup. Premier League is a lot tougher. It's international marketing. So with Bournemouth, I've got, I have worldwide rights to all marketing of AFC Bournemouth. And that's, we're focusing on it. Mm-hmm. I see no reason why we can't have sponsorship of 100 million pounds, 120 million pounds. And this year we'll do about 14 million pounds. But if we market it right and do it right, we'll have that sponsorship revenue. And then we can be the little guy, the little engine that could. That's my goal for Bournemouth. Much tougher in the NHL to get that national sponsorship support. We do well. Mm-hmm. I, th- I believe last year the team did about $40 million in corporate relationships and sponsorships, which is really good for a fairly small metropolitan area. I mean, we're, we're definitely embedded with the community. Um, we have a pretty good TV contract, but by comparison, the Premier League uh, annual contract is about three and a half million pounds yep. among 20 teams with it skewed to the top five or six. But even so, our piece of it is number 15 in the league is probably about 130 million pounds a year. So $162 million in TV alone. So Premier League has a big advantage, but it is the most, football's the most popular sport in the world. More people watch the Premier League on a Saturday than watch the Super Bowl. It's amazing. It's a worldwide sport. So hockey needs to keep expanding. And what Gary Bettman has done is is excellent. He's taken hockey to the Sun Belt. And it's really been successful. You know, it's taken a while, but the Panthers are successful. Tampa Bay's been successful for years and years. Carolina's now a very, very successful team. Nashville's successful. So he has a great group of owners and a great league about him. How does he grow it? Do we want more 
NHL teams? Is there more place for NHL teams? Does it get too cumbersome? That's for the commissioner to figure out. I'm happy to be along for the ride. You mentioned the hard cap there a second ago. I'm, I'm curious about this one. If there wasn't a hard cap, how much would you spend on the Vegas Golden Knights? Great question. $135 million. <laughs> so you'd be tops <laughs> deliberately? Well, not, I don't know if I'd be tops, but we'd spend, uh, we'd spend everything we have. Yeah. We'd put it all on the team. We spend the cap every year, and we'll keep on doing that. We're only going up by a million dollars, apparently, this year. So mm-hmm. we're all going to be cap-constrained again. We finally, after years of being in cap bill, we finally got out of it, uh, what, a year and a half ago or so, or two years ago. And so last mm-hmm. year, we survived fairly well. Uh, it didn't make the playoffs, and... This year, we really didn't have a, any cap issues, and we're in good shape for next year. But we had to learn a lesson. We, we were not we were not perfect, and boy, did we get some heat on some of the things that we did. But we had to do it. We had to stay cap compliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite night player that you've had there? Well, you know, I like them all. They're all my they're all my grandchildren. Is the way I look. Is the way I yes. the way I look at it. But every grandparent has a favorite. Every grandparent has a favorite. I always had a special place in my heart for uh, for Flower. You know, he and I were really close, and uh, that was a really tough situation that we went through with uh, with Flower. And and so I, I really wanted him to retire here. And unfortunately, it, it didn't work out, and I I'm, I feel badly about that because he's such a great guy. But you go through our own locker room. What a bunch of great guys. I mean, they're just fun. They're fun to be around. I'm fortunate. I, when I'm in town, I go down and I try to have lunch downstairs with them. And sometimes I sit with them or across from them, but there's always a lot of banter. I've gotten to know their families. I know their wives. I know a lot of them really pretty well. And uh, it's a lot of fun for me to hang out with those guys. It's another experience. I'm an old guy that's kind of, you know, being rejuvenated by these great young Great young men that play hockey. That is Bill Foley, the uh, owner of the Vegas Golden Knights. An interesting answer there. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, still well thought of within that organization and well-liked and loved. Um, want to close with uh, with something here. Um, there's been a lot of uh, talk today and last night about the NHL and the conversation Gary Bettman with Elliot Friedman about doing away with theme jerseys um, during the warm-up, and that includes pride jerseys. And we all know the story uh, from what happened last season. Aaron Ambrose from the Canadian national team today put up a video uh, as part of and in partnership with Uninterrupted Canada. Um, This is a message that Aaron writes to her 12-year-old self. Let's have a listen. Dear 12-year-old Aaron, you are loved. You are accepted. You will find happiness. I still don't have all the answers. The world will not always understand who you are, and I don't know what the future holds. But what I do know is that your friends, your family, and those that matter most will always be there to support you. Since the first time you kissed a girl, to all the happiness, heartbreak, and challenges along the way, you've had to navigate through a lot. Steps have been taken forward within the LGBTQ community, but a lot of steps have also been taken backwards, and that's part of the journey. But little Aaron, as hard as it is to understand that, 
the ones that matter most will be there for you through it all. Since the first time you put on skates, you've wanted to change the world. You've wanted to make a difference for everybody in their lives, no matter how small or big the impact could be. But it's your happiness that matters the most. It is your impact on yourself that means the most, not others. It's your month to celebrate who you are, so embrace it, enjoy it. This is who you've always known you are. Take it all in. Sincerely yours, Erin Ambrose, proud gay woman and member of the LGBTQ plus community. That's Erin Ambrose uh, from the Canadian national team uh, and a message to her 12-year-old self. You can find that on Erin's Instagram, also on Uninterrupted Canada. Um, there's great disappointment at the, uh, uh, at, at the announcement by, by Gary Bettman yesterday. Um, I was certainly disappointed uh, in it. I think a lot of us were. Um, you know, the LGBTQ plus community doesn't have the option uh, to bail, uh, doesn't have the option to leave. They have to stay in the batter's box and swing. Um, when the going gets tough, they can't go anywhere. They have to stay in the fight. And hockey's supposed to be about being tough. And Aaron Ambrose is a tough hockey player and is a tough person. You can watch that video again at Aaron Ambrose's Instagram account. Uh, thanks to everyone who took part in the show today. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Uh, Todd Nelson, head coach of the Hershey Bears. Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada. And 32 thoughts as well. Uh, a big thanks to Jen Rolnick as always, Lance Kennedy as always, and David Sis for filling in for Matt Marchese today. I'm in Nashville next week. We'll return the week after. Matt Marchese with you on Monday. Thanks for listening to The Merrick Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network, 360 and Sportsnet Now. Talk next week.